Hello everyone, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you're new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I am your host of Killer Instinct. Before we get started, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button, that way you never miss an episode. We post weekly on the podcast every Wednesday as well as on YouTube every Wednesday as well for the video version and you're not going to want to miss it. Now, as you guys can tell by the title of today's episode, today we are diving in to the unsolved disappearance of Amy Lynn Bradley. This is one of those cases that makes me incredibly frustrated because I truly feel that so many people around Amy failed her. I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say about this one. And with that being said, let's jump right on into it today. Amy Lynn Bradley was born on May 12, 1974 to her parents, Ron and Iva Bradley, and she also had a younger brother named Brad. Amy was born in Petersburg, Virginia. However, she grew up in Chesterfield County, Virginia, and attended the local university called Longwood, where she graduated with a degree in physical education. Amy was incredibly athletic. She actually went to Longwood on a scholarship for basketball. She was also an incredible swimmer and worked as a lifeguard. Her mom described her as someone who was extremely hardworking, focused, motivated, and an energetic fireball in her childhood years. Amy was incredibly family-driven. She was incredibly close to her family. Her family meant the world to her, and she also had a very close relationship with her brother, Brad. The two of them were thick as thieves, best friends. They loved spending time together. And part of the reason that Amy chose to go to Longwood University in general, along with the fact that she got a scholarship, was the fact that Longwood was only an hour away from where her parents lived. So it was just enough space for her to feel like she was a college student, having the college experience, but also close enough where she felt like she could always go home whenever she needed. Amy had an incredibly kind heart, and she always made every person feel like they were included. There's countless stories of Amy seeing someone sitting alone at a restaurant and offering them to sit with her, or whenever she felt like someone needed help, she was always the first to offer that helping hand. She was just a very compassionate person. And after Amy graduated college from Longwood, she ended up moving back to Chesterfield and got her own apartment. Again, this was great for Amy because her parents still lived in Chesterfield, so she was seeing them very frequently. Amy's parents also gifted her with an English bulldog as a graduation present that she named Bailey. So it was Amy and Bailey living in this apartment, and Amy also had a boyfriend that she had been seeing. So all in all, Amy's post-grad life looked very, very bright. She had her dog, she had her boyfriend, she had a new job lined up at a computer consulting firm. She was also planning on getting her master's degree in sports psychology, and she was even planning on getting another English bulldog and naming her Daisy. 
So again, a lot was going on in Amy's life, but she was loving it. Amy's family and friends said this was actually the happiest time in Amy's life. Amy never seemed happier. She was glowing. She was always so giddy and excited. She just had a really bright future ahead of her, and she was looking forward to every step of the way. So this case really begins in March of 1998 and March 21st to be exact. And that is the date when Amy, Brad, as well as their parents, Ron and Iva boarded a Royal Caribbean cruise ship called Rhapsody of the Seas. Rhapsody of the Seas was a relatively new ship at the time, having made its first voyage in May of 1997. The ship itself had 12 decks and could hold 2,000 435 passengers in total, which included 765 crew members. The ship itself was 11 stories high, and the itinerary for this trip included taking off in San Juan, Puerto Rico, then traveling to Aruba, then going to Curacao, then St. Martin, St. Thomas, and then back to San Juan, Puerto Rico, where all passengers would depart. Now, Amy, like I had mentioned, had recently graduated college, so this was going to be a fun celebration for her and her family before starting her computer consulting job. However, Amy's graduation was actually not the main reason for this trip. The reason that this trip happened in general was because Amy's father had actually won a yearly sales contest at his job, and his company, in return, was rewarding him with an all-expenses-paid cruise trip with Royal Caribbean, and that was going to be for two people, so Ron as well as Iva. Now, obviously, Amy's parents were thrilled when learning that they were going to be able to go on this cruise, and because this was a family that loved to make experiences and memories together, Ron and Iva decided that they were going to buy two additional tickets for their kids, for all of them, to be able to go and experience this cruise together. Now, something to note about this cruise, as well as just Amy in general, is the fact that Amy had a very debilitating fear of the open ocean, as well as heights, which basically just describes a cruise ship in general. You're in the open ocean, the ship is very tall, it's 11 stories high, and because of that, Amy had a lot of anxiety when going in to this trip, and she didn't want to go at first. Her nerves were getting the best of her, and she did not have the same excitement that her family had. However, the nerves did not last for too long because on March 21st, the day that Amy and her family boarded the ship, Amy was ecstatic. Just being there, being in the moment, being there with her family, it really allowed her to put her nerves to the side and embrace this new experience. So like I said, the trip began on March 21st, and on March 21st, Amy and Brad boarded a plane an hour after their parents had already departed, and the four of them had met up together at the San Juan airport in Puerto Rico. By the time that the family arrived at the port to board the ship, like I mentioned, Amy was extremely excited. Even though she still wasn't fully comfortable about being in the middle of the ocean and also would not even look over the rail of the ship, she was extremely excited. 
On March 22nd, the ship continued to sail towards Aruba, and this day was filled with just relaxing and bonding as a family. It was a day where the ship was just set at sea, so that just meant that the day was spent exploring the ship and relaxing. Amy and her mom actually went to an art auction that was taking place on the ship while the boys did their own thing with relaxing by the pool, and then they all met up later that night. Now, on the morning of March 23rd, the ship actually docked in Aruba and everyone in the Bradley family was extremely excited because this was their first day where they were going to be able to get off of the ship and actually go explore. The Bradley family spent their day shopping and renting a jeep to explore the island further before going back to the ship. Now, the night of the 23rd, March 23rd, this was actually a formal night at one of the restaurants on the ship. And so when the Bradley family got back from their day of exploring, they all showered and got changed into their formal attire before heading down to the restaurant. When they went down to the restaurant, they had their pictures taken by the boat photographer. And after dinner, Amy and Brad then went back to their rooms and changed out of their formal attire into something a little bit more comfortable before grabbing some money and heading down to the ship's casino. Now, Ron and Iva actually ended up staying at the dinner because they were there with some of Ron's colleagues. So they were just finishing up their dinner with a nightcap. But weirdly enough, after Brad and Amy had gone up to their rooms, one of the waiters had approached Iva while she was sitting at the table. The waiter had asked her where Amy had gone. Now, obviously, Amy's mom thought that this was a little strange to begin with, but especially because she had already thought throughout the dinner that this specific server was paying a little too close of attention to Amy. So Iva asked the waiter why he wanted to know where Amy had gone, and in return, the server had told him that they wanted to know where Amy had gone because several of the waiters on the ship had thought that Amy was incredibly attractive and they wanted to take her out to a bar later that night. Now, the bar, which is actually a little bit of a club that the servers had wanted to take Amy to, was a bar called Carlos and Charlie's, and it is a popular club in Aruba, and coincidentally enough, this is the same exact bar that Natalie Holloway was seen leaving with three locals when she went missing in May of 2005. Now, there's not known to be any connection, however, it is very strange and a little eerie that this is the same exact place. Now, when Iva had heard this, she thought that this was a very strange and odd request, and it just rubbed her and Ron the wrong way. So they finished up their drinks and decided to call it a night. Iva had gone over to where all of the photos had been laid out. As I mentioned earlier, the boat photographer was taking photos of everyone for this formal dinner, and he was laying all of the photos out on a table nearby. When Iva had approached the table, she saw that all of the pictures of Amy were missing. And when asking the photographer where Amy's photos were, the photographer was insistent on the fact that he did put Amy's photos out, but he didn't know who came and picked them up. So after this whole strange encounter, Ron and Iva decide to go down and meet Amy and Brad at the casino. And when they got there, they had told Amy about the weird interactions and the weird things that were being said by the server. And in response, Amy told her mom, quote, they're creepy. 
I'm not going anywhere with them, end quote. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's instant alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Now, after they were done at the casino, Amy and Brad made their way to the dance floor where there was a band playing called the Blue orchids. The blue orchids had boarded the ship in Aruba, so they were local to Aruba, and the ship had hired them to play that specific night. Now, the ship had also hired a videographer to help put together a promotional video for the ship, and this just happened to be lucky enough because the videographer actually caught some clips of Amy this night. Amy had been seen with some of the members of the blue orchid band, specifically with the bass player named Alistair Douglas. Alistair went by the nickname Yellow, and Amy's family saw her talking to Yellow for some time. However, Amy later told Brad that Yellow was trying to hit on her and was acting like what she said, a real jerk. But other than Amy saying that Yellow was acting like a real jerk, there was no other conversation about him after that. Amy didn't say that he had asked her anything or really got into detail about what their conversation was about. All she said was that he was a jerk and left it at that. Now at 1 a.m., the ship ended up leaving Aruba to make its way towards Curacao. And at this point, Ron and Iva decided to clock out for the night and head to bed. So again, that's around the 1 a.m. timeline. Now, even though their parents were going to bed, Brad and Amy decided that they wanted to stay out a little longer. So at this point, they made their way to what was called the biking lounge, which was actually the nightclub on the ship. And again, while at the biking lounge, the videographer was able to catch clips of yellow and Amy together. The two of them were caught on video dancing. They were very close to each other. Definitely didn't seem to be any animosity towards each other in these clips. Now, according to Yellow, he claimed that after the biking lounge, him and Amy parted ways shortly after that. He stated he headed towards the staff elevator, and he does not know where she went. Now at 2.45 a.m., Ron had woken up to check and see if Amy and Brad had made it back to their room. However, he saw that they had not. Ron decided to go down to the dance club to see if they were still there, and he did find Brad. Brad was on the dance floor with a group of women, and on the second story of the nightclub, he did find Amy talking to some of the band members and the DJ. Now, Ron did not speak to Amy at this point. He didn't go up to her and say anything. He just saw her, saw that she seemed to be okay, and went back to the room. Now, Amy and Brad ended up getting back to their room at approximately 3.35 a.m., and Brad got there first. Brad entered the room, again, approximately 3.35, and Amy came in roughly 
five minutes later. Once the two of them got into their room, they went onto the balcony that was off of their room and smoked a cigarette before Brad decided to go to bed. According to Brad, Amy told him that she was going to stay up on the balcony for a little bit because she was feeling slightly nauseous from what she said was motion sickness. Now, the family did have an adjoining room, so their rooms were right next to each other, and at 5.30 a.m., Ron had woken up and looked out onto his balcony and was able to see Amy's legs from her sitting in the lounge chair. So at 5.30 a.m., Amy is seen by Ron sitting in this lounge chair. They had adjoining rooms, and their balconies were not connected, so all Ron was able to see when he went out to his balcony was Amy's legs, and at this point, Ron had assumed that Amy had just fallen asleep outside and he ended up going back to bed. He did not wake her up. Now, only 30 minutes later at 6 a.m., Ron claimed he woke up again and went outside and saw that this time Amy was gone. She wasn't outside anymore and the balcony was empty. Ron said that her cigarettes and her lighter were also missing and when going into her room, he saw that the shirt that she had been wearing all night was on the balcony chair. Now, her family was able to figure out that she also changed out of the shorts that she was wearing that night and had changed into jeans. Along with that, wherever Amy had gone to, she actually went barefoot because all of her shoes were still in the room. Now, at this point, Ron began searching the deck and around the common areas that the family had frequently visited during their short stay, trying to look for Amy. And at this point, it was only Ron that was looking. Ron did not want to wake his family up and worry his family. He simply thought that he was going to be able to walk around this ship and find Amy somewhere. However, she was nowhere to be found. And part of the reason that this worried Ron so much was because of how out of character it was for Amy. Amy was not the type of person that would just leave and not say anything, despite what time of the morning it was. She usually would always leave a note or she would tell someone where she was going, but the fact that she didn't say anything really made Ron worry. Now, it was still fairly early in the morning. We're talking around a little after 6 a.m. And when Ron was wandering the ship, he found a few college kids that had been up for the entire night. And Ron had gone up to these group of kids and asked if any of them had seen Amy. And the college kids had claimed that they had seen Amy in yellow riding up the glass elevator to the dance club again around 6 a.m., So again, at this point, when Ron is asking these questions, these kids are claiming that they saw Amy just roughly 45 minutes ago at around 6 a.m. Now, these kids also claimed that once they saw Amy and Yellow go up in the glass elevator, they saw Yellow leaving approximately 15 minutes later by himself. Now, there was another witness who also claimed that at around approximately 6 a.m., they witnessed Yellow purchasing Amy a dark-colored drink. 
Now, Ron continued to search throughout the ship for the next hour. However, when he did not have any luck in finding Amy, he returned back to the room to inform Iva and Brad as to what was going on. Now, immediately, Ron and Iva went to the ship's administrative offices to report Amy missing and that they suspected that foul play was involved. At 7.50 a.m., the administrative staff spoke into the intercom asking for Amy Bradley to return to their office. Now, it was also around this time that the ship was planning on docking in Curacao, and the family, Ron, Iva, and Brad, all tried to plead with the administrative offices, trying to tell them to not dock the ship, because their biggest fear was if Amy was kidnapped or being held somewhere, that whoever had her was going to be able to walk off of the boat with her. They thought that it was best if they were able to keep this as much of a controlled environment as possible because at this point, it was more than likely that Amy was still on the ship. But again, even though the Bradley family pleaded with the administrative offices and with the captain to not dock in Curacao, the crew had refused. And the reason they did so was because they did not want to upset the rest of the guests on board. They claimed that Amy was probably going to show up somewhere, that she had probably just gotten hungover. She had had a late night out. She could have met someone that night and gone back to their room consensually. The crew was not believing Amy's family when they were saying that they believed that foul play was involved. Now, at this time, while Ron and Iva are talking to the administrator, administrative offices on the ship, Brad had gone up to the pool deck thinking that if Amy was anywhere on the ship that she would show up to the pool deck because it was one of the ship's largest common areas. So Brad is up at the pool deck and while he is up there, Yellow, the bass player that Amy had been seen with, walked up to Brad and told him that he was very sorry about what had happened to Amy and that he felt guilty. Now, this immediately rubbed Brad the wrong way for a multitude of reasons, but the largest one being that there was no one else on that ship that had known what had happened to Amy. What did he even mean that he was sorry about what had happened to Amy? No one knew what had happened to Amy. The ship had not announced that Amy was missing. There was no information released to anyone on the ship about Amy's whereabouts. So the fact that Yellow was able to walk up to Brad and so boldly say that he was sorry for what happened to his sister and that he felt guilty seemed very telling. Now, between 12 p.m. and 1 p.m., the security on the boat searched the ship for any signs of Amy. However, they were only searching the common areas. So again, the pool deck, the restaurants, things like that where they were the common areas on the ship. They were not searching anyone's room on board, which was very strange because if Amy was being held captive somewhere, she probably wasn't being held captive in a common area where people were going to see her. If she was being held captive anywhere on the ship, it more than likely was going to be in someone's room. However, they did end up searching the room of Yellow and his band members at around 8 a.m. So again, this was still in the beginning of the investigation. They did search his room. However, when they did, there was nothing in there to suggest that Amy was ever 
in there. And something that was just very off-putting about Yellow in this moment was that he was standing outside of the room while police were going through it fairly quickly. And when the security walked out of the room and basically gave Yellow the all clear, he looked to his bandmates and gave a thumbs up and smugged this really sly smile. And it rubbed Amy's family the wrong way because Amy's family was standing there as well. They were standing there watching this search unfold. And again, it was very vague. It was very quick. And when seeing Yellow flash back this smug smile, Amy's family said it truly made their blood boil and only increased their senses of thinking that Yellow was involved. Now, at this point, Ron and Iva really had to plead with the crew to do anything in regards to Amy's disappearance. They already lost on the ask of not docking the ship. The crew already refused to do that. However, at this point, Ron and Iva had asked if there could be a message sent out over the intercom stating that Amy Bradley was missing. They also had asked if there could be flyers printed out with Amy's picture on them so that way they could pass them out on board. And weirdly enough, they refused to do this as well. The captain claimed that the reason that he would not do this was because he did not want to upset any of the other guests on board. So they didn't want to upset anyone, so they weren't going to tell them that Amy was missing. There was a missing woman on the ship, so it was better to just keep it quiet. The captain was really trying to convince Amy's family that she was probably somewhere in Curacao, so their best bet would be to get off of the boat. Instead of trying to help them, instead of trying to work with them a little bit or meet them in the middle in some way, he convinced them, or tried to at least, that Amy more than likely was somewhere wandering in Curacao and their best bet was to get off of the boat and go and find her. And that is exactly what happened. As frustrating as it was, the family decided to go out into Curacao and look for Amy themselves at approximately 5.30 p.m. The family was joined by one of Ron's business associates, who was actually the president of the company. And this president of the company actually paid for the hotel rooms for the Bradleys to stay in. Because at approximately 6.30 p.m., just about an hour after the Bradleys left the ship, the Rhapsody of the Seas disembarked from Curacao and they were on their way to St. Martin and the Bradleys were still in Curacao. So the ship leaves without them because at this point, the Bradleys are thinking, because again, the captain was so adamant that if Amy is anywhere, she's probably wandering Curacao and that is where we're going to find her. So on March 25th at approximately 6 a.m., the authorities in Curacao began their land and sea search for Amy Bradley. They used radar planes, they used helicopters, fishing boats, warships, anything they could to aid to their search. And the Bradleys actually contacted the FBI and the FBI flew to St. Martin, which again was where the ship was docking next. And the Bradleys ended up following the FBI to St. Martin. So even though they were still going on their search in Curacao, they decided to then go meet the FBI at the ship in St. Martin. Now, the captain on the ship only agreed to allow two FBI agents on this massive giant ship. On March 27th, the Bradleys left the ship, and while the Rhapsody of the Seas went back to San Juan, Puerto Rico, the Bradleys went straight 
back to Virginia. At this point, they were absolutely devastated at what happened. I can't even fathom the idea of losing a loved one on a cruise ship in a place that is so foreign to you, not knowing where you're going, what you're doing, what you're looking for, where you're looking half of the time, and then having to go back home without that loved one. You left as a family of four, you're coming back as a family of three with more questions than you have answers. And just about four days after they started their search, on March 29th, the Curacao police ended their search to find Amy. So the police were not even looking for Amy anymore at this point. Now, about a month later, in April of 1998, the Bradleys actually went back to Curacao to resume their own search. Even though the police had called off their search, they were there doing their own search. And it was while they were there that there was a taxi driver that reached out to the family and said that on the day that Amy went missing, a woman matching Amy's exact description had approached his car and she was visibly very upset. She had asked the taxi driver where she could find a phone and he pointed her in the direction of the nearest payphone and then drove away. He claimed that obviously had he known that Amy was missing and this could possibly be her, he wouldn't have simply have driven away, but at the time he had no idea. But again, he stated that this was the day that Amy went missing. This woman matched Amy's description to a T and she was visibly upset. And there were multiple sightings of Amy being in Curacao by people who have claimed to see her with different men. In 1999, there was actually a former Navy petty officer who had reported seeing Amy in a brothel in Curacao. And the reason he didn't report it was because he didn't want to get in trouble for being in a brothel. And at the time, he didn't think that it was Amy. However, he saw Amy's face on a true crime unsolved TV show years later and made the connection. And this man was actually able to recount the details of this story. He claimed that he was at a brothel in Curacao when a woman who matched Amy's description to a T approached him. He said that the woman approached him and told him that her name was Amy and that she desperately needed help. At that point, the man didn't know what to believe or who Amy really was, and so he ended up leaving without her. Now, at this point, the Bradleys did hire a private investigator, and it was around this time that they actually received an email from a man named Frank Jones, who claimed to be a Navy SEAL. Now, according to Frank, he told the Bradleys that a local chef had told him, so again, kind of a lot of moving parts, but Frank is saying that he was speaking to a local cook in Curacao. The cook had claimed that he had spotted Amy and was able to identify her by her tattoos, and that he also heard her singing a lullaby that Iva had taught her as a child. Frank went on to tell the Bradleys that the chef said that Amy was being held at a compound and sex trafficked with other women, and that the compound was being guarded by Colombian men. Now, when the Bradleys heard this, this was the first real lead that they felt 
felt like they had in a long time. And so when they ended up hearing this, they were in constant communication with Frank and they ended up sending Frank a lot of money to help fund his search because Frank was talking himself up, saying that he was a Navy SEAL, that he was going to help them get Amy because clearly the law enforcement, everyone in Curacao, no one was helping the Bradleys. And so Frank claimed he was going to go in, he was going to save the day, he knew where Amy was, he was going to get it done, but he needed some money in order to do so to fund his search and ultimately be able to get Amy back. Now, this seemed like the Bradley's last resort almost, and it really got their hopes raised because they're now hearing that their daughter, who they haven't had contact with, no one seemed to have seen her. They're just not getting a lot of answers. They now have this guy who is claiming that he knows where Amy is, and he's this former Navy SEAL. He's going to go in and he's going to do it. So they start sending him money, and not just a little bit of money. They're sending him thousands and thousands of dollars, $24,000 to be exact. And Frank was being very convincing as well. He was sending the Bradleys pictures of what he would claim would be sightings of Amy. So he was really reeling the Bradleys in. So Frank tells the Bradleys that he is going to be able to fully complete this mission. He just needs a little bit more money and they send it to him. Now, after about a week after sending this money, the Bradleys receive a phone call from a former army sniper named Tim. And Tim had actually been hired by by Frank. So Frank hires Tim to watch the house that he claims that Amy is at in Curacao. So Frank hires Tim to kind of be the watchdog for him, to surveillance this house in Curacao that he is so certain that Amy was at. Now, after days of Tim sitting outside of this house, Tim realizes that Amy was not there. And not only was Amy not there, he unveils that Frank, in fact, was a scammer and scamming the Bradleys the entire time. This so-called cook who told Frank that Amy was being held at this brothel admitted that she was only saying these things because Frank had paid her to do so. It was also revealed that all of these pictures that Frank was sending, they were all just random photos that were doctored to either look like Amy or to look real in the sense of it being a brothel or a compound. It was all fake. The whole thing was fake. And like I said, the Bradleys had sent Frank Jones $24,000 and they did press charges against him. He ended up getting charged with defrauding and was forced to pay the $24,000 back. However, as of a couple years ago, that still has not happened. Now, there was also another instance of a woman who claimed to have seen Amy. According to this woman, she claimed that she saw a woman matching Amy's description in the bathroom of a department store in Curacao in 2005. The witness claimed that the woman who appeared to be Amy was with three men who were yelling at her, saying that she needed to go through with whatever deal they were talking about. The three men ended up leaving the woman in the bathroom, and according to this witness, the witness approached the woman who appeared to be Amy and asked if she was okay. The witness claimed that at this point, the woman told her that her name was Amy and that she was from Virginia. 
Now, before Amy was able to say anything else, these three men re-entered into the bathroom and pulled Amy out and left. Now, there were actually composite sketches drawn of these men, as well as what the woman who claimed to be Amy looked like. And in 2005, the Bradleys received an email with a picture of a woman who looked like Amy that was found on an escort website. The sender of the email actually worked with an organization that looked into missing persons cases and tried to match them with women on these escort websites. The woman on the website was listed under the name Jas or Jess, it's J-A-S, and was working in the Caribbean. Now, the FBI has not been able to locate the woman in the photo. However, forensic examiners have said that the woman may in fact be Amy. And when you look at the composite sketch that was drawn of Amy in the department store bathroom and look at this picture of possibly Amy online on this escort website, the two look eerily similar. Now, there is another theory here that I want to touch on. I feel like some of you might be thinking it, and that is the theory that Amy went overboard sometime between 5.30 a.m. and 6 a.m. on the morning of the 23rd. Now, the reason that this theory is so unlikely is for a multitude of reasons, actually. The first one being that Amy was an incredibly strong swimmer. She was a certified lifeguard, and where the boat was at the time, they were very close to shore. And so had Amy fallen overboard, she more than likely would have been able to swim to shore considering how strong of a swimmer she was. The second reason is that Amy was absolutely terrified of heights and even refused to go to the boat's ledge. So this whole idea that she would get herself in a position close enough or able enough to go overboard seems unlikely when you match that with how paranoid she was about heights it seems unlikely that she would put herself in a position to ever go overboard. Along with that, the Curacao police searched for five days in a sea search and a land search. And if Amy fell overboard and let's say was not able to swim and drowned, her body more than likely would have been discovered at that point. Now, I do want to go back to yellow because it seems like yellow is the one missing link in all of this even though his room was cleared it just seems strange that yellow would be the last person to be seen the last known person seen with amy the big kicker to me when it comes to yellow is what he said to brad the fact that yellow so confidently walked up to amy's sister and was able to apologize for what happened to her and also claim that he felt guilty about it before anyone knew that amy was missing seems very very odd and very very telling now, I do want to say that Yellow did pass a polygraph test in regards to knowing about Amy's whereabouts, but this test was administered before the FBI recovered any footage about Yellow and Amy. So all of those that footage of them dancing together, the FBI didn't have that before the polygraph test. So they didn't know at the time that Yellow blatantly lied because he very much downplayed his experiences with Amy claimed that he only saw her in passing, was very much downplaying the entire situation, and the FBI wasn't able to debunk that until they got this footage from the videographer. Now, Amy's family has also discovered on multiple different cruise ship threads online 
those exist. There's cruise ship threads online of people talking there about their experiences and whatnot. And it has been claimed by multiple people that Yellow is definitely a smooth talking womanizer who was very pushy when it came to women. And even more so than that, it is claimed that he should not be trusted. Now, based on all of this, the authorities and the public when talking about this case, the majority of them, pretty much all have the same theory. And that theory was that Amy was taken off the ship by either Yellow or another crew member and sold into sex trafficking and killed. There still is always the possibility that Amy could have came across one of the waiters or one of the servers that seemed interested in her. However, the fact that Amy and Yellow were seen together around 6 a.m. and Yellow was seen buying Amy a dark colored drink and then 30 minutes later, she's gone... It seems very strange. Now, the Bradleys ended up suing Royal Caribbean Cruises for $5 million for their lack of involvement and lack of assistance during Amy's disappearance. However, they ended up losing the case. Now, the Bradleys also believe that the FBI failed them on this case and did not interview all potential witnesses. And ultimately, on March 24th, 2010, Amy was legally declared dead after she had been missing for 12 years. Now, again, Again, there's no proof to show that she is dead other than the fact that no one has found her. However, there is also no proof that she is alive after all of this time. And that is where we're at with this case. As of now, Amy Lynn Bradley is still missing. Her body has never been found. She has never been found. And there are so many unanswered questions when it comes to this case. Personally, for me, I have a hard time believing that Yellow was not involved. And I do think that he is not the only one that knows what happened to Amy. I believe that he knows what happened to Amy and more than likely his bandmates and friends also knew what had happened. Whether he had allegedly roofied her or drugged her allegedly and Amy had a bad reaction, that's up for debate. He could have also sold her into sex trafficking. That's also a possible theory as well. However, I have a hard time believing that whichever theory it is that he is not involved in some way. However, I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say about this one. So with that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. Make sure you let me know what you think about this. I'm always so interested, especially in the unsolved cases, to just discuss theories with you. So let me know what you think. But again, that's all for me today. I'll be back next week with a brand new one for you guys. And until then, stay safe. Bye, guys. Bye.